Hey guys, I'm Court. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to Season 3, Episode 3 of The The Castle Castle Chat. Chat. Season 3, Episode 3, all the threes. And it's your favorite number. It is my favorite number, so this might be my favorite episode. This is going to be a good one. What are we doing today? (laughs) Today we are doing our one of our favorite episodes, I think, uh, Digging Deep. This is where we take a Disney movie and we basically break down all of the emotional connections inside of the movie, um, stats, fun facts, and just really dive in deep to what movie we picked for the episode and why don't you share with them what movie we picked this time well we are fresh off of valentine's week and i think one of the most epic love stories in all of disney history has to be that of carl and ellie yes in the pixar film up we are so excited to share all the things that we know about this movie and the things that we found through our research and uh, watching it over again so we are excited to jump in let's do it Well, obviously, when I edit this, I'm going to plug that in right now. You can hear it in the background. It will be playing in the background right now, which is just such a fun sound. I, so I'm going to go ahead and jump right into some of the things I've researched. But (laughs) um, this, that that theme, that song, we know it as Married Life. Mm -hmm. It kicks off a lot of the emotional catalyst to the story in this film and um in a little interview or behind the scenes something that i watched um michael giacchino did we is this right (laughs) i'm gonna just say yeah because i don't even i don't even want to try to pronounce it michael g michael g (laughs) michael g said that me i don't know okay anyways keep going he said that he sat down at a piano and just played that and like was like that's it that's what i wanted to sound like and then the whole thing like built off of that it was just like a few notes and he was like that's it and knew that that was how he wanted this marriage to sound in song form yeah i mean it's obviously a very iconic song and a full theme of the entire movie um do we want to start by giving a summary or go into some of the stats of the film uh i think that we should break down what the like what is up let's okay. do the let's do the plot okay do you want to go give, give them a quick summary oh i can try my mom says i'm really bad at summaries mom if you're listening i practice this for there you we go <laughs> here we are okay so the, it, first of all, also, if you haven't watched Up, we're about to spoil the entire thing. So if you haven't watched it, pause this, go watch it. <laughs> watch it, come back. Or if you don't have any interest in watching it, maybe we'll get you excited to see what it's all about. So anyway, just a heads up. So Up is a film that is, a, the main character of the film is this elderly man, Carl Fredrickson. The beginning of the film takes you through his early childhood into the present when he is older i think somewhere i read that he's like 78 i don't know how you pick that specific number but he's somewhere in his 70s um and you go through this and it's the first like five ten minutes of the film Mm -hmm. but his entire life childhood to present and his love story with ellie it starts when he's a child he's enamored by this happy-go-lucky wild girl and they fall in love, build a life together. Um, they go through hardship together. They age together. And um, it's this, we can break down this specific part later. But <laughs> yes, for sure. You go through his entire life and it leads you to present day where he's actually a widower. Um, he has lost Ellie. Ellie's passed away. And this film picks up with him being a grumpy old man. <laughs> yep. He's not the Carl that he used to be because he's lost the love of his life and he doesn't know how to move on. Um, the 
general synopsis is they're building these giant uh, skyscrapers or shopping centers around he and Ellie's home that he's known his entire life and gets into an altercation with somebody who's doing the construction around them and it leads to him having to go to court and he is told that he has to live in a nursing home. So mm-hmm. what he does is decides, you know, Ellie and I wanted to go on this great adventure. We never did it. Now's the time. The people come to pick him up for the <laughs> nursing home and he says, I'll be right back. And next thing you know, his house is flying up into the sky, lifted by tons of helium balloons. Mm-hmm. And part of this man mom you're right i'm doing a really bad job of summarizing no, this you're doing great you're doing the great. whole dang movie scene by scene <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> you're doing great you're doing great he meets this young boy named russell who's a boy scout um before he has all of this happen and turns out russell was on his porch when the house took <laughs> off um and it turns into this big adventure between the two of them and trying to get to fill, fulfill Ellie's dream and going on this adventure, yeah. um, and Russell and Carl's relationship is part frustration, part comic relief, and um, at the end of it, it turns into: Is Carl going to choose to cling on to the past with you know his life with Ellie that he is hurting over and missing so much, or does he choose this new adventure and this new life with Russell and jump into that adventure? So we can kind of go from there and oh, breaking you did down. So good. I realized I was go I was giving too many details, and I was like, <laughs> I gotta wrap this up. So um, that's without giving all of the intricate details mm-hmm. of that adventure. Um, that's that's what the movie is about. Yes, but you did great, honestly. Did I miss anything? No. Okay. I mean, there's obviously a villain. Yes, there is a villain in the story. Um, he is on the hunt for a specific particular type of species that's found out by Paradise Falls. And it's actually Carl's like childhood hero. And when mm-hmm. he actually comes to meet him, he realizes that, oh, this guy's actually not very nice. And he's trying to capture this animal for his own type of fame and, and fortune. But really, like this creature had actually bonded with Carl and... Um, and the rest of the gang and now it's almost like this part of the movie is them trying to kind of get away from this villain and save the bird yeah save the the bird kevin kevin Uh, kevin and i connect on a lot of levels for with our love for chocolate (laughs) i was was wondering where you're going with that and i was like do you just everywhere you go i also do that Um, but that's a little bit more to add to the story. There's obviously that. It's not just them on this little adventure. There is a side plot also happening as well, which obviously kind of rounds out the whole movie as a whole. Yeah. I the whole movie as a whole. The uh-huh. whole movie as a whole. A whole sometimes, sometimes you just say things, say things and I'm like, or I just, man, I can't even speak. Sometimes I say things and I'm like, what? What just came out of my mouth? That's okay. It's really enlightening i think for the people who listen to know that this truly is off the cuff it really is no rehearsal (laughs) no do you want to talk a little bit about the stats of this movie i sure can um so this movie was originally released may 29th 2009 so a couple years ago it had its 10 year anniversary um it actually earned four times the amount of the budget that it had um at the worldwide box office and <laughs> and it had a big budget. Yeah, I'm, I do. We have the budget on here. Um, I believe it was 175 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and it brought in four four times, times the amount of that. You can do the math. That's a lot of money yeah. as well. Yeah. So the worldwide box office made 731 million, but that's just in the movie theaters. That's just people buying tickets and going to see yeah. the movie on the big screen. After this, this is 2009. DVDs are still in. DVDs are still. Oh, Blu-rays were kind of. Yeah, Blu-ray is a big thing too. I remember this was like one of like the coolest Blu-rays to get was up. Yeah, and how much money did DVD and Blu-ray bring in? Three hundred and seven million. So just that alone. We're talking about a billion dollars. 
yeah. just between the two of those. Yeah, it surpassed the budget just in DVD sales. Oh, that's Blu-ray I mean, and DVD. Crazy. It's insane. It also ranks number 15 for the highest grossing animated film and ranks 35th for the Walt Disney Pictures overall. That's a pretty good record. Uh, I mean, yeah. for animated films of all time being number 15, there's a lot of animated films out there. So that's high on the list. Top 20. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, and 35th for Walt Disney kind of surprises me. I would expect it to be a little bit higher. Yeah, but there are so many classics, too, when you start to think about it. So that's okay. Yeah. Um, it did end up getting a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, which... <laughs> Rotten right. Tomatoes can be very brutal in the way that they um, score things. So a 98, that's very impressive. Okay. So what other stats do we have? Okay, so this movie was written and directed by Pete Docter. He also um, was a part of Monsters, Inc., Inside Out, and Soul. Wrote and produced Lightyear as well. Yeah, so we know he's got a really good record. And Uh, I I have high expectations for Lightyear now. The thing that I thought was incredible for this man's track record. He wrote Monsters, Inc., Inside Out, Soul, and up is in between um, Monsters, Inc. and Inside Out. All of the films that he wrote out of that list, except for one, won the Oscar for Best Animated Picture. That's very impressive. Like, he does not miss. He's so talented at coming up with these stories, coming up with something that captures the audience, something that I heard him say in an interview and doing a little bit of research for this was he heard Walt Disney one time say that for every laugh, there should be a tear. And that's really influenced his writing and made him want to not only give comic relief and put something out that makes people smile, but also pulls on their heartstrings. Yeah. And that is up to a T. (laughs) Up to a T. (laughs) Fun fact, this is, I wanted, I, while we're saying the word up, um, the word up is only used 11 times in the film. Fun fact. Hmm. Probably not, like, in reference to the house at all. Yeah, because up is obviously a word that is used in many sentences, but it's only used 11 times. Yeah, also the, the original title for this film was Helium's. Yeah, that's a very strange name. I'm really glad they didn't go with that. Kids would be like, what is, what is Helium's? Anyway, um, the concept for this film, uh, Pete Doctor drew, he's also an animator as well as a writer, producer, and all the other things. Very talented person. Um, but he just drew this picture of a grumpy old man holding smiley face balloons. And then he had this other concept of having a house that would float away when you wanted to escape like the pro- yeah. the problems and the issues around you so those two things combined turned into the film it's just amazing today. yeah it's so crazy cool. well i feel like we have a lot of like other fun facts and some other stats on here but i feel like we should jump into some of the deeper meaning of the movie and then end with some more of those cool facts about the film yes there yes there's too many and too many things to talk about so let's let's get rolling <laughs> let's get rolling okay so I don't know. Let's just go. Let's both go through and talk about some of the things that stood out to us about the film. Okay. Do you want to go first? I can go first. All right. You go first. So one of the things I noticed and like really held on to from watching the film um, was really in that first five ten minutes of the movie. Um, it takes you through a roller coaster. There's a lot of really high and low moments in the story of Carl and Ellie. And the one thing that I really noticed about their story is that it really taps into um, a lot of the struggles that we go through as adults. Like, I think of a kid watching those scenes and not fully understanding the weight of what that pain feels like mm-hmm. or that joy, um, but watching it as an adult being like, wow, like that's, that's a real struggle and a real problem. And um, I feel like adults can relate to it way more than kids can like you see ellie not being able to get pregnant or losing a child something along those lines um you see them getting married and the joy of that and then also you like you see ellie back in the hospital and 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 passing away and like grief and loss and i think that this film like just in those five minutes your emotions are taken through a complete roller coaster and Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's hard to watch. It's so sad, but, like, it's also a beautiful story. And 
I just love how Pixar like wasn't afraid to take those hard turns. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you really see like that in other Pixar movies. I don't know. Like, it's, it, it gets really deep and really emotional. Yeah, for a children's movie. <laughs> I feel like uh, a lot of Pixar films take this really creative outlandish idea and turn it into an incredible story and this first few minutes of this film is real life like it i the the first time i saw this film i was much younger than i am now and it didn't pull on my heart the way that it does now that i'm married and have experienced loss in more extreme ways or Mm -hmm. know people who have had miscarriages or lost you know children and um I honestly can't watch that first part without getting emotional. Yeah. It's it's so relatable for so many people. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I actually really love about that little segment at the at and going through their life story, Carl and Ellie have this dream of going to Paradise Falls, which is where their childhood icon or hero Charles Muntz travels to. Um, and Ellie has this dream of putting her house by the waterfalls there. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it's in South America. And anyway, um, they get this piggy bank and it's their savings. It says Paradise Falls on the piggy bank. And they, you know, every little bit put all of their change yeah. in it. And then something happens. They bust a tire. When somebody breaks an arm or all these little things happen and they bust open their piggy bank, mm-hmm. use all of their savings on something unexpected and more you know immediate and their dream is kind of put aside and so they say all right we'll start over we'll save again and they keep Mm -hmm. saving and keep saving and keep saving and it comes to this sad unfortunate conclusion that they never got to go on that trip which i think turns into a lot of carl's bitterness and anger and losing her because they never got to he never got the chance to fulfill his wife's dream yeah I think it's so the in, the when you said that it made me think of something else about how, you know, the thought of a house being able to fly in the sky by balloons is very unrealistic and very out there. And there's so many parts like that in the movie where you're like, this would never happen. There would not be a whole parade of dogs that all talk with talking collars and like random things like that. But then you see the very beginning of the movie, which takes you through their life and everything in those scenes is completely relatable it's very realistic and it's like none of that is brought out of proportion like that could happen to any single person in real life and so i really like the contrast that they have about the Mm -hmm. realism and also like this wonder and magic and like imagination that obviously like so much of that movie could never happen in real life yeah so it's just very interesting how they have both sides of the coin with that yeah and i think having someone who is elderly be the lead and you see his whole story and then you see what he's going through it's kind of you know true of older people in our society today they have a story they have a past they've been through a lot and you know what you see right in front of you might not give that explanation but for us as watchers of this film we see this whole journey that he's been through Mm -hmm. and understand his bitterness and why he's upset and we connect to him and then he goes on this outlandish wild journey (laughs) and we're immediately locked in because we we care for and connect to this character yeah because we actually relate to his story and what he's gone through exactly it's crazy i mean it's incredible writing i love it (laughs) it's so good it's so good what's that quote that you found um about relationships so for me i wanted to i'm always interested in what is the point whenever someone's writing this film what is the message that they want Mm -hmm. us to carry with us when we leave that's beyond the superficial aspect of the story and so in doing a little bit of research watching interviews reading articles i found a quote from one of the writers of the film that like just really made it all make sense to me um and he said the point of this film according to the people who wrote it was that the real adventure in life are the relationships that we have with other people yeah and i think that that's so telling of specifically watching carl's story but it's true of the other characters in the film as well um i think that we see 
it's not it's something that's very lightly tapped into but I think could be a whole other part of our breakdown is that it's very clear that Russell is craving a relationship with his father Mm -hmm. and his father isn't the the few times that he's interacted with his father he holds on to whatever it is that they do together and he explains what those things are to Carl and wants to kind of replicate and recreate those things with him with a male figure in his life um and so like Russell's relationship with Carl is super important in his development in Mm -hmm. the story um and then i also think it's interesting that the villain of the story is somebody who's lived in isolation for so many years um and i think that that's also telling of he's supposed to be this beacon of adventure and somebody who carl and ellie used to look up to but he's been living in isolation chasing his reputation Mm -hmm. and it's left him empty and a not very nice person and bitter i feel like he's also carrying a lot of that bitterness Mm -hmm, for sure yeah um, I know you'd mentioned something to me earlier, which I thought was really cool, talking about the adventure book that Ellie created for, um, well, she had it when she was a child and shared that with Carl and it kind of became their adventure book. And um, you had touched on kind of what those last pages of the book kind of look like. Will you go into that a little bit more? Yeah. So again, touching on relationship and that being the central theme or point of the message in this film. Carl and Ellie, like we've said, had this entire life together and Ellie from childhood created this scrapbook and um, it was her adventure book on the front. It says my adventure book and on the inside it says stuff I'm going to do and Mm -hmm. she kind of keeps track of Charles Muntz's adventures, her own adventures, puts dreams, goals, and all those things in this book. Um, And it's she and Carl's hope to fill pages with Adventures to Paradise Falls and do other things or have children, whatever it might be. Um, And the things that she had hoped to do never got put in the book. And when she gets back um, into the hospital and you realize that she's sick and um, Carl visits her in the hospital. She's holding that adventure book and she kind of pushes it over to him. And it kind of gives you this feel of like she's saying I'm done and like my adventure is over. Um, And Carl gives her, again, this part of the movie is so incredible because there's no dialogue. You watch their whole life. There's no dialogue, but you understand everything that's happening. Um, and it also blows my mind that these are animated characters. You know, it's yeah. no, nothing we're seeing on the screen is, is acted out in real life and still gives us that intense emotion. Um, but Carl kind of gives her this look of like, don't say that. Like, don't say the adventure's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and kisses her on the forehead. And then the next thing you see is that she's gone. And after that point, we don't see Carl pick that book up again and we see him carry the regret the pain the hurt that the adventure that they had hoped to have together wasn't Mm. what they dreamed of it looking like um and we get to the end of the film and carl is forced to choose between his house his memories and what ellie represents and Mm -hmm. what what he has left of ellie and then russell and kevin and doug which are these new characters that Mm -hmm. he's joined forces with on this adventure and he has to you know they're they're in danger the people the characters are in danger and the house is in danger and he jumps on the house and that's what he has left left of ellie it's the only thing that he can cling to that still is full of her and her memories And so he jumps on the house, he goes in, and then while he's sitting there and he has his house, he starts picking up all these things that were hers or theirs, and he finds the adventure book. And he finally sits down, and he decides to go through it again. And you can tell while he's looking through it, he, you know, fond memories, sweet memories, and then it gets to that page of stuff I'm going to do, and he is expecting to have those pages be empty because they never got to do the things that they dreamed of doing. But then he kind of catches a glimpse that she put something back there and turns the page and sees that she filled all of the pages of the stuff she was going to do with pictures of their marriage and their relationship. Mm -hmm. 
And then on the very last page, she writes in the corner, thanks for the adventure, go have a new one. And it's in that moment that Carl kind of settles and accepts that, you know, Ellie is gone, but she also viewed their marriage and their relationship together and all the memories, good and bad, as her adventure. It was... which is so sweet. Yeah, it's just like, like I said, it's for for an adult and like sitting in what you and I sit in now, like Mm -hmm. knowing real relationship. When I first saw this, I probably didn't understand like that feeling and everything, but um, knowing, you know, his life partner has left and then she is encouraging him to move on and it's in that moment that he realizes that he can be at peace um with ellie's passing and yeah you know look fondly on their memories but it's time for new relationships and a new adventure and a new chapter in life mm-hmm. and he lets go and is able to you know save his friends and get mm-hmm. them home safely but in doing that he loses the house and you know what he was clinging to um and what was left of his marriage and so um the house kind of he sees it disappear into the clouds and it's so poetic that in him letting go the house ends up next to paradise falls where yeah. ellie always wanted it and so in being at peace with her passing understanding that the real adventure was their marriage not you know a vacation or a trip somewhere um he's able to fulfill her dream without even really knowing it and the house lands where she always wanted it i just how do you get better writing that's it's so good i mean that is that literally just sums up the purpose and meaning of this incredible film and um how that takeaway really is that the real adventure are the relationships that we have with other people it just it makes me think more about my life and what adventures i want to accomplish in my lifetime but like knowing that whatever my life looks like i know that there are going to be people around me that are going to help guide me through whatever that looks like and mm-hmm. that's that's the ultimate journey that's the ultimate adventure sure and so it's just a really great reminder of like the purpose of life and the highs and lows and I mean honestly and also just like the process of grief and because grief is real whether it's from a person or you can grieve over losing things like Mm -hmm. grief can show up in lots of different ways and I feel like this movie does a really good job of showing someone's process of of grief Mm -hmm. and letting go of things that they're holding on to and um, embracing kind of what's in front of him like embracing the relationship that he has with Russell and mm-hmm. these new friends and that is becomes like his new adventure and his new life um, and had he not let go of those things would he have those? Probably not because I think that was just a part of the process of his grief and um, the what part of life he has left you know because he is older and um, I don't know I'd be really intrigued to see if there was like a, a second up like a like, I don't think they would ever do it, because I feel what like if? it's like they clo- they really closed the book on that. But, like, I just feel like it would be so sweet to see him with his new, like, wherever he's living, his relationship with Russell, and, like, maybe going back to Paradise Falls and, find- and seeing that the house made it. What if, this is my, this is my version, <laughs> we have a sequel to Up, but it's called South? It's called or Down. East... <laughs> Or it's some direction, um, and we have another emotional intro, but it's Carl and Russell's story, and ends with Carl's passing, and then it's a story about grown-up Russell, and how he moves forward and carries on the spirit of adventure is out there, which is like... I would love to see a grown-up Russell. I think he'd that probably turn out so pretty great. Fun. Disney, if you're listening, we got your next movie. <laughs> yeah. Pixar, pick it up now while you can. I mean, you went for four on Toy Story. Why not go for another one? I mean, that? they waited a while for another Incredibles. So they, they also they did, really could come out of the woodworks with them like that. They did Monsters, Inc. 2. They did Monsters University. I mean, they've done sequels on a lot of these. I think it's time for another one. And... 
again poetic and a little bit sad but the voice actor for carl who is ed asner Mm -hmm. i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that appropriately but um passed away not too long ago um didn't disneyland pay tribute to him like as with a projection on the castle I'm pretty sure that, yeah, they did. Yeah, and I think that that's, again, speaking to the impact of this film and the character of Carl and how beloved he is in, I mean, yes, Disney community, people who love Disney films, but I think there are probably people who are outside of the obsessive Disney bubble who saw this film and were impacted by it. Yeah. Man, I feel like that was a pretty good summary of the movie as a whole and the deeper meaning, so... I think you could probably go segment by segment and pick something deep about Mm -hmm. the plot of this film and go into further detail, but in knowing what the main purpose of, or what the main theme of this film was, um, I think we we covered that pretty well. we did. Let's move on to some fun facts. I love fun facts. I found a bunch of articles on just really different and unique fun facts about Up, so... I know you have one. Do you want to kick us off with your fun fact? Yeah, I can start with one. It's kind of touching still on the characters, but I was just kind of, again, watching interviews and the the writers and directors talking about the film and their process, and I thought it was really interesting, but they, if you've seen the film and you know what the characters look like, Carl is very square. Yes. Very boxy. He and, is a boxy man. <laughs> and um, Ellie is very round and has like a very circular head, mm-hmm. as does Russell. Oh. Russell is very round. And so they were discussing um, the idea that Carl is kind of this personality that is comfortable in his box and he wants to stay in his box. And Ellie pulls him outside of his box and makes him want to go on these adventures. And then when she's gone russell steps in and is that new version of her and in a different way um and the roundness of those characters was meant to touch on their need for movement and if you think of like a ball or circle it's always moving and and so that was kind of their thoughts of like carl wants to stay in his box and is confined to his way of doing things and not wanting to step outside of his comfort zone and ellie and russell both are these round characters who always want to be moving always want to be talking and (laughs) um pull the best parts of carl that he doesn't even know exist and his adventurous side out of him i thought that was cool i love that it's so fun Okay, so um, I'm going to actually kind of read through some of the fun facts that I found in some of these articles because I thought there were some things that really like stood out to me. So, um, one, the beginning montage between Carl and Ellie and their life um, originally had Carl and Ellie actually completing each other's sentences. So it was originally supposed to have dialogue. It wasn't supposed to be just music over their life. Um, and the point behind them kind of finishing each other's sentences was supposed to show how well matched they were, um, that they were such a good couple that they could, you know, finish each other's sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> I had to put in a phrasing reference. I, as soon as I read it, I was like, this is perfect. Um, but I just think that's so interesting how they went from that concept back to not having any dialogue at all. Um, also, um... The room number, A113, is seen over Carl when he's summoned to court. Now, A113 is one of Pixar's most like prevalent Easter eggs. Um, it appears in a lot of um, Pixar films. A113 was the animation classroom at California Institute. Um, and that's kind of their way of like plugging that in little different Pixar movies and so I think a lot of people that are big Disney fans they try to look for the A113 in the films and so if you go back and you look when he's summoned to court you will see it over his head which I think is really fun I didn't notice that first round so I only noticed it because of something that I watched on fun facts about (laughs) of course you're like oh my gosh I gotta go find it so also um the director Pete Doctor actually imagined um Charles Muntz as Carl's dark side. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because they're, you know, similar in age. And 
have an additional fun fact when you're oh, done. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, there is a discrepancy about their age. Mm-hmm. Is it there? Okay. Um, but what it says here, it says that essentially the film's antagonist is Carl's most extreme version of himself. You can see wow. that, right? Yeah. yeah. It makes total sense. Well, that bitterness comes in. Uh, so months is kind of where Carl would have gone and had he been allowed to take it to the end of the line. So, like, it's just very interesting to think about, um, like, Munt's obsession with finding Kevin and finding the bird and, mm-hmm. and Carl's obsession with, with fulfilling this, this adventure and this dream for Ellie. And so um, when I saw that, I was like, that is so cool. Yeah, maybe if Russell and Kevin and Doug hadn't come along, he would be like, I'll do whatever it takes to get my house there kind of approach. Hmm. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. So the fun fact that I have. Yes. What you got? About, did you read this? Did you find this? I don't know. Okay. What? So. Oh, about the age. Yeah, okay. about okay. the age. Sorry, I was like, where are you going with this? Okay, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the film, the very opening scene is of young Carl watching Charles Muntz on a TV. And Charles Muntz in that film is pretty much the same age as when Carl finds him as an old man. And so you kind of in your head are like, wait a minute. Um, this man should be dead. <laughs> like He's been old for a while. Um, and you would think that he would be way older or not existing anymore. And so in trying to figure that out, I found that there was a storyline about why he was so obsessed with Kevin, who's this exotic bird that he's mm-hmm. after. Um, and it said that there was a storyline that Kevin's eggs had the same effect as like Fountain of Youth. And so if you would like find his eggs, eat wow. his eggs, then you would stay young. And so that's why he was so obsessed with the bird was because he would find the eggs, eat the eggs, and then he wouldn't age. And it was this whole plot in the film. And then when they got to editing, you have to you have to make cuts. You can't have the movie be three hours long. And yeah. they said that that storyline was too distracting from the main goal. And it kind of took this whole Charles Muntz thing a little too far. And he wasn't really their focus. And so they ended up cutting that part of the film and just hoped that the fans would forgive them for the age discrepancy. Isn't that crazy? That is that is kind of wild. They just, they knew. They were like, people are going to look at this and be like, wait, how is he still alive? Yeah. <laughs> and how does he look the same? And it just didn't, wasn't something that they storyline wise felt like belonged in the film anymore. And so they just cut it, but didn't change anything else. So Charles Muntz is still, that's apparently why he is still the same age is mm. he's been tracking Kevin, finding Kevin's eggs. And maybe that's why Kevin's so protective over the babies because every time yeah. she, Kevin's actually a female. <laughs> when, Kevin's a girl? <laughs> when Kevin lays eggs, they aren't able to get to the point where they hatch because Charles Muntz takes them all and has his dog sniff them out. Maybe that was why Kevin's so protective over the, the baby great. Kevins. Yeah, interesting. I thought that was, I was like, oh, they knew that this was, (laughs) they knew people were going to look this up. Yeah, like, hold on a minute. Yeah, definitely a very interesting one. All right, what else do I have here? Okay, so the director's daughter actually voices and is the inspiration behind Ellie, which I just think that is such a sweet touch for the movie. It lets you know that these writers really take things from real life and put it into these films that they make and and are inspired by things in their everyday life. I also saw that Pete Docter himself and his co-writer and director Bob Peterson have their own voices in the film as well. Um, Pete Docter at the end of the film is Russell's like scout leader who hands (laughs) out the badges. That's so cool. And then um, Bob Peterson is the voice of Doug and the other like mean dog named Alpha. Alpha. So they both found their way into the film as well and literally not only created it, but poured their heart and soul into it by being a part of it too. I also um, 
saw that the um, actor who voiced Russell, um, he was eight years old when he was cast. Oh my gosh. There were 400 people who auditioned for the role. 400. So Jordan Nagai showed up to an audition with his brother. His brother was auditioning. What? He was not auditioning. And Pete Doctor said that the boy would not stop talking. Was like, not there to audition, but just was going on and on, would not stop talking. He was like, this is Russell in real life. Like, you know, the kid that just always has something to say. And he asked him to read and gave him the role out That's of so cool. 400 Accidental. people the one who got the role didn't even mean to audition I know. and also about that actor he actually um what he would do before he would um do his lines he actually would run around literally run around before saying his lines to capture the character's relentless spirit it's like when you hear russell like kind mm-hmm. of out of breath when he's speaking it's because he literally would just like run around before he'd say his lines which i think is so cool yeah he is also the first um east asian actor to be cast for uh, a East Asian or Asian American animated character. Um, and there was a lot of people who were really satisfied with that and were really glad that it wasn't somebody culturally in, um, in terms of their background, not appropriate for yeah. the animated character. So yeah. that was cool too. Okay. I've got two more kind of cool ones. Um, so the final balloon count for the animation was 10,297 balloons. What? Yep. That is wild. Oh yep. my gosh. 10,000 balloons. And like, it's crazy because in my mind, I'm like, somebody sat there and counted all of them. No, somebody sat there and animated all of them. Oh, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That's so many balloons. That's all it was like. I was not thinking it was that many, but. Go Carl. He put in some work the night before the nursing home people showed up. He was like, let me get them 10,000 balloons. Honestly, the fact that he did all of that, I was like, hold on a minute. This is so unrealistic. You're old. We didn't mention this, but Carl was a balloon man at their local zoo. That was his job growing up. So that's why the balloons make sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay, one more fact that I have. Um, So Pete Doctor and the other crew members actually posed as musicians at an old folks home to research, (gasps) to do research. So they literally, so they would go into old folks homes, a group of them. They would pose as musicians. They had a little band. They played jazz tunes. um, And then while they were doing that, they were just like kind of spying on old folks and just like watching their interactions, like how they move about. Can you imagine? Like they were just in there pretending to be a band. Is that allowed? I guess it was allowed, but they did that. That's wild. That is really wild, but that's kind of a fun fact that I have. Do you have anything else to add? The only thing I had to add, which kind of goes back to our stats, but this film was loved by people who watched it, but it was also loved by every critic that watched it. It got so much critical acclaim. Um, I thought it was super interesting. There is a film festival called the Canes... Canis. I don't. Canis. I'm not sure. C A N N E S. Yes, it's a very big film festival, and um, Up was the opening film for this film festival, and it was the 62nd year of this film festival, and never before had they allowed an animated feature to be the opener. Hmm. So, first early, 62 years. That's amazing. Yeah. So early on. People who were a part of this film festival recognized that this was a big one and a good one, so much so that they wanted it to be the opener of the festival. Um, and then um, following that and the release and everything, Up received two Oscar awards. Wow. But it received multiple nominations. It received and won the award for Best Animated Feature and Best Score. Um, it was one of the first or few times that an animated film has won best score scores that win the category typically come from live action films mm-hmm. um, so for it to come from an animated film was record-breaking um, and then um, it won best animated feature but it was also nominated for best picture and only two films in all of history have ever been nominated for best picture that are animated features the first was beauty and the beast second 
was up. Well, that's so impressive. Like, it was, out of all the films that came out in that year, critics wanted it to be nominated for the best out of every film. It didn't win, but it was nominated, and that's a really big deal. Um, so I just thought that that was really capturing the essence of how important mm-hmm. the content of this film was yeah. when it was released. And also just so out of the box for typical animated features to like you said go into such real deep heavy concepts um and and something that you would think is for children yeah i think it's great i love that it i love this movie caters to any age um but that honestly like it's a great opportunity um, for adults and a lot of i feel like pixar i mean you just don't envision an animated film being so catered to the adult population, but like Up does that, and um, this has been really fun being able to break this movie down and yeah, talk about what it means and all the fun facts. Like I don't know, I, I really love this episode and the different movies that we get to pick. I'm excited for what we do for next season. Yeah, I think that it's why we love Disney is that these movies mean so much and hold so much meaning and so to take a second and remind ourselves of what makes these films um so important and beloved to all of us disney peoples um, yeah. is pretty cool you know it just came to my mind between the emotional content of up inside out and soul i wonder if lightyear has anything that is you know more on the heavy emotional side it probably will yeah so i mean because soul which is the most recent of Pete Doctor's films, mm-hmm. definitely deals with the concept of dying um, yeah. and death and a lot of more adult-type um, things to wrap your brain around. So I'm wondering if Lightyear is going to have that same catered to kids but also very heavy mm-hmm. adult um, content. We'll be interested to find it out in June. Ooh, we might have to do a digging deep on it. thanks guys for hanging out with us small shop shout out shouting them out yet again who do we have this week this week we have park princess co they are a Disney apparel small shop. Um, they're kind of their tagline is kind of everyday Disney style. Um, they've got some really cool designs. I know a lot of um, you know Disney influencers, as you would say, um, wear their their products around. One of their most recent designs um, is kind of going for the Valentine's um, feel. And I know that they just came came out with one that has a lot of the like the duffy bears oh. on it um which is more of like a tokyo that's definitely Disney, where but it started but i think that there's a whole fan base out there that would probably be itching to get some duffy merch yeah their stuff is very like vibrant and fun like i just i, I think it's awesome and um been following them for a little bit of time but yeah definitely check them out if you're looking for some new um apparel for your next trip and or just some everyday disney style their instagram is park princess co trip tips trip tips tips for your trips (laughs) that was good i like that there's our jingle everybody oh man (laughs) didn't even have to produce it live no freaking 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 fresh always court keeps it fresh what's our trip tip for today Okay, our trip tip for this week is check out Undercover Tourist when you're looking at park tickets for legit discounts. Oh, yeah. So we haven't um, run back yet for season four Disney Breakdown, but they did just increase Disney park ticket prices. Mm -hmm. Wild how they can justify that. Um, But ticket prices are going up again. And everybody is looking for any type of break they can get on Disney price. It's expensive mm-hmm. to go to Disney World. And if you can find a reliable website that's going to get you legitimate discounts on your tickets, why not look into it? So 
sometimes when I've been looking into this, you can save up to a hundred bucks per person. Oh yeah. It's, I, I use undercover tours for almost every Disney trip that I go on. If it's over like a three day park pass, um, you don't really start to see those discounts until you're at kind of like day three, day four. But a lot of times they'll do like a four day park hopper with an extra free day kind of thing. And you can end up saving yourself like a hundred dollars in the, a lot of people are, you know, skeptical to buy tickets through a site that's not Disney, but it's really simple. When you buy the tickets, they actually send you an e-ticket to your email, and it has a confirmation code on it, and you literally go to the Disney app, and you put in that confirmation code, and boom, your tickets show up just like you bought them on Disney's account. Like, it's it's very convenient. It's easy. Um, I've had a lot of success with doing it, and it's honestly saved me a lot of money. Maybe if enough people start doing that and not buying them through the Disney site, Disney will be forced to lower prices to match. Mm, Who knows? (laughs) But it is a way to save a little bit of money. I mean, when you're going to Disney, you're spending a ton of money to be there. Um, So kind of anywhere that you can cut those costs is going to be helpful to make it a more budget-friendly experience. So definitely check out undercovertourist.com. I think it's just their website, but... Um, they have tickets not just for Disney, but for Universal and SeaWorld and not just in Florida, but also California. I mean, there's just a lot of options that they have. So um, I would highly recommend checking them out. Next week, we are jumping into episode four, which means we're nearly halfway through season three already i just i feel like each season flies by episode four every season is going to be our resort rewind and recap and for episode four of season three what resort are we going to be running back for everybody port orleans port orleans there are two sides of port orleans we have riverside and french quarter we're going to do them both for you a two for one. Oh yeah you're going to get both sides of the resort we're going to share everything that we know about this resort, the amenities, the price, um, if you should stay there. Like, just our whole full review on it. I've personally never stayed there, but you have, haven't you? Spoiler alert, this was my, like, home resort as a child. Oh. When we would go, we would always stay here. It used to be called Dixie Landing, and that's what I knew it as a kid um, as, but... I know a lot about oh, this resort. This is definitely going to be Caitlin's episode. She's the expert when it comes to this resort. But we are excited to um, share that with you next week. In the meantime, while you're waiting for the next episode, you can definitely check us out on Instagram. You can find us at the Castle Chat. You can also send us an email if you want to just say hi. Um, or send us a DM. Either or. You can email us at thecastlechat at gmail.com. And... You can also drop us a review if you are loving this podcast and you want to give feedback, positive or negative. We want to hear it. Um, Definitely give us some stars. Leave us some comments. We want to know um, how we can continue to make this a magical podcast for you. So those are some things you can be doing in the meantime. But for now, we'll leave you with what we always leave you with, which is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow out there waiting for you. Go make it magical. See you real soon. Bye, guys. Bye.